You're listening to The Homeschool Dropout. I'm your host, Mike Roberts. Let's talk about bridging the gap between homeschool and the professional world. Okay, welcome back, everybody. Today, we have a great episode lined up. I have an old friend from my homeschooling days with us, Larissa Carrick. Uh, Larissa, thanks for joining us. Hi, Mike. It's good to be here. (laughs) Yeah, it's really good to reconnect, actually. Larissa and I met while we were both... I know I was in junior high. You're older than me, so you're probably Mm -hmm. entering high school when our family started connecting a little bit. Yeah, I think... Were you in junior high? I think I was in junior high. You were in middle school when our family started to like, I don't know, do field trips and kind of join in on some of these homeschooling escapades. So I, yeah, I'm a couple of years older than you. So I was not quite in high school yet though. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. My first memory of meeting up with your family is at the Morels. The Morels are another family that we would homeschool with that are really good friends with Orissa's family. And so we all started homeschooling together. And we had a, like a, a learning night or something at the Morales house where this woman came and talked about world war two and mm-hmm. she had a pet raccoon. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That was mm-hmm. the first time where I was like, oh, there's like, there's homeschoolers here that I identify with and get along with really well. Yeah. That's what I remember. And then we mm-hmm. did children's choir for years. Oh, yeah, we did. I totally I for- forgot that you did I that. I forgot about that too. Oh my goodness. Really yeah. Yeah. yeah I so that. Mm-hmm. we would wake up Saturday mornings at like 6 30. Larissa's family would come pick me up. We would go to children's choir at 7 a.m., do two hours on Saturday mornings. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Yeah. What were we thinking? I know. What what like kid in their adolescence spends their Saturday morning waking up at 6 30 to go sing about Jesus? You know? That's what I was gonna <laughs> say. Go do like Christian um hymns and do it every Saturday yeah. morning. Yeah, that was, it was really fun. I remember, you know, just really enjoying it, but I I totally forgot that you did that with us and I would pick you up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, definitely. So many memories are coming back now. So many. And then we did Commonwealth Mm -hmm. classes together, field trips. Mm -hmm. And, and and really when I think back on homeschool and I tell people, yeah, you know, I homeschooled with some families, it's your family, the morels and my cousins. That's, that's how I kind of frame it around. That's Um, how I, as well with your cousins and the morels. Yep. Yep. It was the Roberts, Morales, and the Salcedos. Yeah. That was like kind of like our core group. Us mm-hmm. against the world. That's what it felt totally. like. Totally. <laughs> and now we're just, you know, taking over. <laughs> That's all right, slowly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, why don't you give the listeners a little general background on your educational path, your homeschooling experience, and, and kind of, I guess, the logistics generally on what happened. Okay. Um, so I went to elementary school, public elementary school, for the majority of my elementary time. I did do one year of homeschool after kindergarten, going into first grade. My mom, you know, she got like the fire. She wanted to homeschool. She was really excited about this. And I know I really struggled with reading in kindergarten. So that first grade year was like reading that my mom really dedicated her whole time to teaching me how to read. And I am really grateful for that. So we spent that year reading. After that, I was ready to go back to elementary school. You know, it was a lot of fun. So I spent the rest of my time in elementary school up until sixth grade. And by sixth grade, my mom really started pushing for homeschooling. She took me and my little sister out for those years, sixth grade, seventh, eighth, and then ninth. So those are my like full on homeschooling years. 
was during those few years. And then after that, I tried the charter school that you yourself went to for half of my freshman year of high school. So ninth grade. And it's so funny thinking back because like, I cannot believe like how much I moved around for high school. So I did the charter school. I tried public school, like a public school that wasn't even like in my district. Most of my high school was used to take college classes at the high school. Like I think it's called concurrent enrollment or was at the time. So that's what I spent most of my high school career doing was taking college classes. I mean, there's so much more within all that. We had commonwealths, we had, you know, homeschool groups, things like that during those years too. We even did, um, I don't know if you remember the scholar class. Do you remember that? I definitely in high I school? will always remember scholar class. That was like, like a big deal. That like really kind of like changed the trajectory of my whole idea of what education should be. And it was really? only like for a semester. Yeah, we can get in that too. Okay, okay, that yeah. Too. yeah. But yeah, so after high school, I was a, you know, I graduated from high school. Um, I had a ton of college credit. And then after high school, I just went straight to college. I mean, I chose my major my freshman year and never looked back. I studied English Lit, loved it, and finished college, you know, down the road. That is just my education <laughs> right there from, you know, kindergarten to bachelor's. Okay. There are things there that I didn't know before. I didn't realize mm -hmm. that early, early on, your mom had wanted homeschool and she tried in kindergarten mm -hmm. and then you went back to school for a couple of years mm -hmm. and then you came back out. This is sounding a lot like my experience where it yeah. was, it was chopped up and it really was. Mm -hmm. I don't know. At that age, it did feel chopped up, but you don't really know. You kind of know that other kids are, are having this continuity that you don't have. But mm -hmm. looking back now, I, I realized, wow, it really was just we were just trying whatever worked, whatever showed yeah. up and felt good. We went for it. Yeah. Like I felt as a child, like there was a clear distinction that I was not doing what other kids did, you know, that you enter school, you stay in school and you just do school. You just get through it. You know, the 12, 13 years that you do. And I was uncomfortable with that distinction that, oh, I am not doing what is done, you know, <laughs> but looking back, I mean, we were really, my mom was, you know, really trying to give us what we needed at the time, you know, taking me out for a year in elementary school to really hone in on my reading. I mean, I was dyslexic. So uh, like honing in on that and really like rewiring my brain to be more comfortable with reading. And it worked. I was, you know, totally back on track with the other second graders by the time I went back in, you know, and then come middle school and junior high. Um, I think my mom's motivations were a little different by that time, but, you know, she was trying to give us what we needed come high school. It was really about satisfying the goals that I had. My goal was to get through college. Like I really was not interested in high school. And so I was going to these different high schools and moving around a lot because I wanted to get the college credit basically. So I moved around a lot and it was, it, it seems kind of messy, but I guess with the perspective of however many years, I was just trying to do what I needed or what I felt I needed at the time. Very cool. There's a couple of things I want to focus in on. Why don't we just open this scholar class box and okay. kind of explore that? So for context, when I was, I think I was in eighth grade, my mom and a couple of the parents came together at the local charter school and they envisioned this class, they called it the scholar class, where kids who wanted 
how did what was even the criteria where you I were gifted well, or I don't know, see it feels I don't even now. think it was gifted yeah it was I don't even think it had anything to do with students being gifted I think it was so the charter school like started with this vision that was just not being achieved they didn't have the resources they didn't have like it just was not happening the way that they wanted like the school had envisioned as well as a lot of the parents and so I remember your mom and a couple other parents I think my mom and Carol Morell, of course, was probably included in that as <laughs> right. well. But your mom really seemed to drive it. Just this idea of bringing students together who really wanted to learn, who like had a passion for educating themselves, providing an environment of autonomy and dedication. It was really unique because we got a lot of, you know, previously homeschooled kids interested, but that wasn't it either. We had, you know, kids who had always gone to public school or school in other ways coming together. It was just like this hodgepodge of dedicated students who were passionate about learning. Anyway, so your mom came in, she came in with this vision. I think it attracted me because I knew her and I was curious about it. I remember sitting down with her and she kind of laid out the vision for what she wanted the scholar class to be. And I immediately was attracted to it. And I loved the idea of having students of all ages to coming together and learning from each other and growing in those aspects. You know, that's really interesting to hear because I was not old enough to recall those conversations. And with it being my mom, I don't know if I had, I don't know if she sold me or tried to sell me as much on it. And so you, you had conversations with her that I did not have. But I do remember there was a pretty wide net cast. There were students from all sorts of backgrounds, all ages. I guess I should say probably from about seventh grade up until seniors. We were in this room together. and Which I, is like really unique. That does not happen in education. Getting like that diverse of age. It doesn't seem like a diverse age now that we're older. <laughs> you know, no. they just all seem like teenagers. But, you know, getting 13-year-olds to 18-year-olds is a big deal. Well, those developmental stages are so different. You, you change mm-hmm. so much year by year. So it does make a difference. Mm-hmm. Those were some of the most robust, challenging conversations. I remember having a conversation with, you know, I'll, I'll forget his name, but I think you were, you were in this discussion. I think Amanda Morell was in this discussion. We were talking about evolution. We were going back and forth about evolution. And I was coming from a really strong creationist background. I challenged mm-hmm. evolution and I was getting these responses I had never heard before. That I had to really think about. And, and I think it provided a context where it was one of the first places where everything was discussion based and ideas based and in challenging preconceived notions. That's what I remember from scholar class. Yeah, that's what I remember from scholar class too. It was basically we were given these assignments to read good books, read challenging literature, and we had to read the book and then we would come together and we would discuss all the ideas. And we all took different ideas from it. That was the majority of what that class was, but we covered all topics. It wasn't just literature, but we pretty much read literature to cover all topics. I like, I just fell in love with that, like philosophy, Mm. that idea of coming together, bringing ideas from everyone and challenging each other in those areas. I, yeah, I remember lots of conversations like that being really challenged and my mind being really open because I respected all these people that I was having these discussions with. And a lot of their ideas were just so different from mine. a homeschool experience with so much more diversity. What did scholar class change for you in the way you viewed the world or your education? Because you'd mentioned that it, it changed your perspective on education and set you on a new course. Well, I think 
during my homeschool years, that chunk of time that was really like homeschool, what I realized now is that my mom didn't have a clear vision of what she wanted education to be for us. She simply just didn't want us to be in school. She had a lot of fears around school. I mean, it was me and my little sister. We're the youngest of seven children. And she had five older children who had done the whole public school thing. And they had a lot of experiences that I don't think any mother would really want their kids to have. And she saw, you know, the common denominator as public school. And so when it came time for us to enter in those adolescent years, she simply just didn't want us to go to school. Her vision, I mean, she lacked vision. Her goal was just for us not to be in school. Homeschool was really just school at home. She also didn't really have the emotional capacity at the time. She was, you know, going through a difficult separation in her marriage and things were just kind of like volatile at the time, honestly. Um, I don't think she really had the emotional capacity to homeschool in the way that I think she would have really wanted to. And so it was really me and my sister just doing school at home. We made it through and we were able to acclimate back into public school um, pretty okay. And um, it didn't hinder us in that regard. Um, educationally, I would say. So I just felt it was just school at home. Really, like the education was no different from what I would be receiving at public school. And then come the scholar class and like education just became like all these possibilities just opened. I remember like the one requirement that your mom and the teachers who were participating in the scholar class, their one requirement for us to be in the scholar class was to read the Thomas Jefferson education that I read that book in literally two days. <laughs> like this is a 15 year old girl. Okay. Okay. I'm 15 years old and I am given this book. I really want to be in the scholar class. And I was like, okay, I'm going to read this book because I want to be in this class. I read it in two days and I was just like, oh my goodness, like education can be this. There are possibilities. Anyway, so I guess I always felt, I think, oh, what is the metaphor they always use in that book? It's like the conveyor belt education, con- right? I was about to bring up the conveyor belt system. Yeah, yeah, yeah the mm-hmm. conveyor belt. And that was so potent to me in my mind. Like, I'm a product on this track, you know, to have this outcome. That was not the goal of scholar class. Scholar class was to build scholars. And I remember your mom talking about what a scholar actually is. We, you know, read memoirs from great people in history and how they educated themselves and became scholars. And it just, I just fell in love with the idea of that. It really did like just change my perspective, even though I continued down, honestly, I continued down the conveyor belt. I did all the things. I got my high school degree. <laughs> I got my bachelor's degree. I did those things. But now, like as a mother, you know, I am homeschooling and I still lean toward that philosophy of Thomas Jefferson education. We were exposed to TJ Ed, Thomas Jefferson Education, probably around about the same time. For listeners that don't know, it kind of categorizes education to three buckets where we have conveyor belt education, where you are, like you said, a product on the line, and you just need to get all these things so that by the end of the line, you are a reliable product. You know, you, you have good quality. Me being in engineering and in manufacturing now, it, it makes sense to me. I need good product at the end of this line. Then it shifts and says, okay, there's another type of education, professional education, and and this is suited for like doctors and lawyers where you need specialized training. You need to be very good at your job. There's lives on the line. There's, there's high impact on your specialization. And then aside from that, 
TJ Ed talks about leadership education, where education can be geared to help you become a leader in whatever capacity, if that's a parent, if that's in your community, if that's in your job, that's even over yourself, you know, Mm self-mastery and everything. And so that's something I loved about TJ Ed without getting into like love of learning and scholar phase and that philosophy, observing education and how it's formatted that gave a really good framework and helps me break out of, oh, I don't, I don't want to be another product on this line. Listening to you, I really get the sense that despite how bumpy homeschooling can be sometimes, you did a lot of decision-making in your own education. You owned it. Yeah, for sure. I kind of had to, honestly, given where my parents were at the time. I mean, there were so many things within my homeschool experience that I really value and I appreciate. Like, I, I feel like it elongated my childhood, which I truly do appreciate. But just that lack of vision, I think, could have made the biggest difference. I think my mom was, she, I mean, she was motivated by fear. And though it was posed as negotiable, um, it was highly encouraged by her. And I was an incredibly sensitive child to my mom's feelings and needs. And I saw that she really wanted this and that she was also very afraid of public school, which of course, instilled fear in myself. That's not to say that it was a, you know, a total flop, but I think just having a clear vision, a clear philosophy of education, I think would have made the biggest difference. Yeah. I think it's a tricky space. Homeschooling takes courage and vulnerability where you have Mm -hmm. to step outside of what, what your community is doing and doing something different that can be really hard. So as a parent, and you'll be able to fill in on this, I think as a parent, that can be scary. And then as a child, you only grow up once. And so Mm -hmm. (laughs) your parents make choices Mm -hmm. and that's your childhood. You you don't get to go back and reframe that. And so there's courage, there's vulnerability and, and you don't, sometimes that is motivated by fear. Mm -hmm. And that's just people are trying. I guess that's what I'm trying to say is that people mm-hmm. are trying and and then that's how you grow up. Yeah. And that's, I mean, my experience, and you can probably speak to this as well as, you know, my experience being from a big family is nothing like my older siblings experience. Right. You know, their childhood was completely different from mine. And it really is just, you know, your parents just try <laughs> yep. all they can do yep. and um, yeah, just offer them that grace because that's, all they're doing. They're trying their best and given their circumstances and with what they know. Yeah, I I agree with Mm -hmm. that. Okay. So the last time we spoke, you mentioned that you never saw yourself homeschooling. You you went Mm -hmm. through this homeschool experience. You went to college, you finished college, you wrapped that up and Mm -hmm. you don't see yourself homeschooling. But I know now you have kids and three kids. Yeah. Okay. You have three kids Mm -hmm. and you're homeschooling. So what happened and how did you get there? Well, I, yes, I finished my degree. And of course I had all these lofty goals for myself. I mean, still do. I'm still young. Right. And there's still plenty of time, (laughs) but I, I mean, I got married young. I started having kids young too. I was 23 by the time my child, my first child was born. I did not see myself homeschooling. Um, In fact, I pretty much like, like swore against it. (laughs) Like I was not going to homeschool my kids. Um, I think that's coming off of my perspective at the time was a, you know, I just came off of like a tumultuous um, adolescence and my parents really did not have the capacity to homeschool. And so while I was homeschooling, there was a clear distinction that 
we were like weird homeschoolers. Like I felt like the weird kid. And it's interesting because I did all the same things that all the other kids were doing. You know, I attended the same church as all the other kids. I attended, I was dancing pretty strictly with all these kids too. I, I mean, I was, I was participating in all the same activities and socially I felt like I kept up with them. You know, I didn't feel like there was the like social awkwardness. Uh, People would be surprised that I was homeschooled. That's always like a compliment to homeschoolers. Honestly, if they, if they say what you're homeschooled, like I had no idea. You don't seem like a homeschooler, but within like my small community, you know, everyone knew we were homeschooling and that was weird. Like who homeschools? And so I definitely felt like, I don't know, a little bit ostracized at times. And so I did not want that for my kids. And I even looked at other homeschoolers while I was homeschooled. I'm like, oh, those are the weird homeschoolers. <laughs> you know, that is why people think homeschoolers are weird, you know, or anyways. And so I yeah. didn't want that for my kids. I also didn't have, you know, when I was a young mother, I didn't have a strong philosophy at the time. Like I thought the reason to homeschool is because you're afraid of public school. I was not afraid of public school. I think public school has done a fine job in producing the product that they need for society. Like everyone goes to public school and they come out of it just fine. And they come out of it doing exactly what society expects of them, what society needs from them. And so I did not have that fear of public school. Um, And I thought, honestly, that's what you needed in order to homeschool. Homeschooling was for people who were afraid of public school. I did not feel that. And so I had no intention of homeschooling my kids at all. (laughs) (laughs) Then, you know, my son is getting older. He's coming to be at about preschool age. And I'm working from home at the time. And I started looking, okay, he's three. I should probably start thinking about preschool, right? And just at the time, it was not like feasible for us. And I was like, okay, he's three. He doesn't have to be in preschool. So we'll just keep doing what we're doing, getting out in nature every single day. I mean, I was loving spending my time with him and loving teaching him these things, colors, shapes, letters, you know, it was just a lot of fun. And he was so excited. So I just kept going with that. You know, he turns four. I'm like, okay, now we need to put him in preschool. (laughs) He needs to, you know, grow socially. He needs to gain that social intelligence. My son is like the most socially intelligent person you will ever meet. Like it's astounding to me because I'm, my husband and I both are pretty introverted and he has no fears when it comes to social interactions. He's amazing with adults and with other children. Like he has never had a problem making friends whatsoever. Also, he has a million and one cousins and we spend so much time with them and he's always interacting with other kids. And anyway, so four years old comes around and like, okay, we need to get serious about preschool. I just could not find a preschool that I liked when it came to it. I was like, what am I doing? Like, (laughs) I'm already teaching him all this stuff. He's like developing well. And we're having so much fun in everything that we're learning together. Like I, it just became unnecessary. And then kindergarten rolls around and we're like, okay, now he has to go to school, you know? And so he goes to school. He goes to kindergarten for half the year and he loved it. He had so much fun. It was a really good experience for him, but his like progress, I guess, progress in air quotes, um, because, you know, he's a six-year-old. 
he, he's always been very gifted in math and, um, come kindergarten, he's just like not making the strides that he was before, which is honestly fine because he's six, but he was eager. He was starting to get bored and that's never what you want in a child is to get bored at school, homeschool or otherwise. Then COVID hits and he has to come home. And I was so excited. Like I absolutely (laughs) did not want him to go to kindergarten. I was, by that time I was anxious to homeschool because we were just having so much fun. And I was starting to learn more about homeschool. I was starting to read more about the philosophies of homeschool or just not even homeschool, but just educational philosophies. When he came home for COVID, I was like, that's it. I'm like, he's not going back. We were just having so much fun and he was growing. And anyways, I could go on and on about the joys of homeschool. So what I'm hearing is you were just enjoying the time with your son and enjoying being able to fill your role as a parent, as a mother and sharing about the world. And, And then you went with the public school route. We're kind of feeling that void a little bit. And then COVID hit and it just kind of helped you make the decision. It made the yeah. decision for you that, okay, we're coming home. We're going to do this. And how has that gone? Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. He, so full disclosure, he is back in public school. I always wanted it to be like kind of his choice. He loved homeschool. We enjoyed it so much. And he even says he would, you know, he wants to homeschool again. He just was so curious about what public school is really like, you know, cause he only got half day kindergarten for half a year which is basically preschool. Again, he loves children. He loves to be around other children. And I've known this about him from day one. And I knew in our years of homeschooling, this probably isn't going to last for him. Like he is going to want to experience public school. And anyway, so over the summer, this past summer, we had a lot of discussions about it. I really wanted him to feel like he had some control in this decision. He decided to go back to school this year. It's been a few weeks in so far. So good. Uh, There are some nuances where, you know, he's a little frustrated (laughs) by the system. He gets bored, which I knew that would happen. And he gets tired and hungry. (laughs) (laughs) And there are little things like bathroom rules and recess rules that just make no sense to him coming from an environment where we spent most of our education outdoors with a lot of freedom. Anyways, so there are those nuances and he's learning and I trust him. I trust his experience and so far so good. Um, I am continuing to homeschool my daughter who's in kindergarten, who has absolutely no interest in going to school ever is what she says right now. We'll see if that changes too, but I really want them to feel like they have a say in their education. They have this privilege of homeschool always being an option for them, but if they, you know, want to try those things, I think that's fine too. Like I just, I want to encourage their journey. It isn't about, you know, what mom wants, even though I do think I know best (laughs) at this stage (laughs) of their lives. Um, And I do believe wholeheartedly that I can offer them something with homeschool that they simply won't get anywhere else, but they kind of need to experience that on their own. And my son is coming to some of those realizations, but if he wants to continue going to public school, I mean, I will support him in that as well. What I like about what you shared is something that I've come to as well homeschooling or being open to homeschooling and realizing that there's lots of ways to get an education helps you cater to the child, to the individual, because 
I just feel like education should be about the person and not about the system or propping up this program because this is Mm -hmm. the new, you know, no child left behind or common core or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's about the kid. And, and so homeschooling, even being open to homeschooling lets you see, oh, I can craft a tailored education for my kid, for my child. And, and kids have different needs. So maybe your oldest needs more social interaction. Mm -hmm. That's a real human need. And so public school can help provide that a little bit. And then you can balance it with homeschool. You have more flexibility as they get older. It's so hard at that age. I remember feeling like it was kind of my choice, but you know how it is at that age. It's like, well, they're my parent. Is it really my choice? I mean, you're going to do whatever your parent really wants you to do. I, I just really like the autonomy that you're providing. And I really loved once I was in high school and had a little more maturity. I never felt like if I decided to go to school full time, I never felt like I was betraying the family. That if I said, I'm going to go full time, then I was going against like deep fundamental values of the family. That was never mm-hmm. the case. Uh, we yeah. saw the value in public school. There is mm-hmm. value there. And mm-hmm. we saw the value in homeschool and more than anything, just in choosing your education, whatever it looks like. Yeah. And I absolutely agree with that. Like I, I know tailored education is a luxury. It's not yeah. something that every is offered to every child. Obviously. I mean, many people need the public school system right. to help them raise their children. And that's like a very real need. And that's kind of what I want my kids to see homeschooling as like, it truly is a privilege. It's a luxury. Hmm. It's not a necessity and it won't be going against, you know, our fundamental core values as a family, if they choose not to homeschool, but lucky for them, it's an option. And being able to tailor education to individuals is like I said, a luxury. My son, you know, he requires a completely different education than my daughter. And, you know, that's what I'm learning is she's only five. She's in kindergarten technically. And I'm learning to educate her in a completely different way than I did my son, because they are two completely different people. I mean, as of now, she's like, she has no interest in school. (laughs) Like she Hmm. was like, when we started having these discussions about going to school and what it would kind of look like, you know, the realities of school she started getting like really frustrated. And when I tried to talk to her about it, she's like, I don't want to go to school. And I was like, honey, I never said you had to go to school. (laughs) Like this is Wesley's, you know, this is Wesley's journey right now. And she was like completely relieved. Kids are different. That's absolutely right. And, Mm -hmm. and I think you've touched on something where I've often said, I don't think homeschooling is for everyone for every Mm -hmm. child. Like every child may not need homeschooling. And I was having a conversation about that with someone else and they shared the perspective that in their mind, every child could actually do really well at homeschool. It may mm-hmm. be for every child, but it may not be for every family where yeah. families, your, your conditions and your circumstances as a family can dictate whether or not, Hey, we just can't do this right now. And that mm-hmm. happened to my family where we had things change and we all went in full time. It, it yeah. was just not feasible at that time. So, mm-hmm. so I really like that, that flexibility and recognizing the good value in public school, the mm-hmm. good value in homeschool, and more than anything that you can choose, you know, mm-hmm. you can craft your own path. And I, I yeah. love that about homeschool. I really felt yeah. that growing up. Yeah, me too. And like going back to the scholar class, that is where I learned that, that education can be crafted to an individual. That is something that I have held on to 
ever since that time. When I went into college, I had this idea, oh, I finally get to craft my own education. Very cool. Um, that didn't really turn out to be the case. You still have to do what yeah. they want you to do yeah, to yeah. get the, you know, to get the degree that they say you can have. Right. And I remember feeling frustrated by that in at university, you know, but when it comes to my children, I'm like, they have an opportunity to actually craft their own education. And so, so we just went for it and we're, and we're doing it. I have one child at home and another child in public school and things are going well. Well, that's great. I think it's great. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're about to wrap up here. Um, mm-hmm. What advice would you give to new homeschooling families, people who are just getting into it? Anything that comes to mind? I think I already said this before, but have a clear vision, have a, have a clear vision and try to have a clear philosophy that really helps. There are so many ways to go about education and really honing in on a philosophy that aligns with your values will make all the difference. Um, it, I mean, it just becomes your guiding light. Like I just recent, well, not recently, I've kind of researched the Charlotte Mason education, like method of education, I should say, since I brought Wesley home, my son home to homeschool. And that was the one that like really sparked for me. And finally, I mean, I, I read about them all like Montessori, Waldorf, you know what I mean? Cause I, I was just looking for that one thing that really like spoke to me in regard to education. And I happened upon Charlotte Mason and realized, oh my goodness, like this is it. <laughs> this is like all my values in one place. And it just kind of gave me a, a map of like how I could go about educating my children. I think that was something that really lacked in my own homeschool experience. It really was just school at home. So there was no like philosophy or passion behind why we were doing this. It was just, you know, we just didn't want to be in school or whatever. So my advice is to have a clear vision and, you know, really hone in on a philosophy. Okay. I love it. Mm -hmm. So there you have it, everyone have a clear vision and, you know, take your time to find it. It, It's Mm -hmm. okay. And your kids will be okay. If you switch philosophies. Oh my goodness. Your kids are going to be fine. fine. So, (laughs) yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's about it for today. Larissa really appreciate your time and honestly appreciate our friendship. I Mm -hmm. I think we'll always stay in touch one way or another. I'll always have the Salcitos. Like we went through it together. Mm -hmm. I think there's like shared trauma. Oh, so, for sure. For sure. Yeah, there's definitely some shared time. So. We're connected for life. So. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for coming on. Yes. Thank you. Hey, everyone. To make sure you don't miss weekly episodes of the Homeschool Dropout, Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your preferred podcasting platform.